Hello and welcome to Leadership, the Future and Tea, a podcast hosted by Andy Davis featuring Ian Moffat, Deborah Hartung and Hitton Bat, a podcast for people who are passionate about making a difference at work. Welcome everybody, this is episode three of Leadership, the Future and Tea and yet again I'm joined by the amazing crew of Deborah, Hitten and Ian. Hi everybody, how are we all doing? Hello. Hey, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, so today we were going to talk about leading communications. And uh, as ever, the podcast is focused on leadership and the various aspects of it. So today it is about communications. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this because it, I think it's a, a really, a really crucial part of leadership. And um, I, I've, I firmly believe that as the leaders I've worked with and uh, even leaders on a global stage that you see leaders and one of the main things that you you take away from straight away is about their communication skills and I'm just going to open it up at that point out to everybody and say uh, you know why is it important that a leader has uh, decent communication? Are we allowed to reference the 45th president of the United States? You can do. As a case study. You you can do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to express my political views here, but I think if if we just use that as a case study and we look at a juxtaposition or a, you know, kind of a side by side of the way that New Zealand's Prime Minister um, Jacinda Ardern communicates with the people of New Zealand versus how President Trump communicates with the people of the U.S., I love it. And I love it. But I've look... got to be controversial back though, Deborah. So I'm sorry I'm going yes. to jump in there and say, yes. but don't you think that the, one of the things that uh, Mr. Trump has done actually is show the world and the politicians especially that actually embracing change in technology and using a communication form like Twitter can actually reach far further people than ever before? Oh, completely. And I think, you know, that's one of the things that when I was preparing for this recording that I I worked into my preparation is the importance of understanding that we need to utilize different means of communication and different tools to reach different audiences, even within the corporate sphere. I mean, we, we see that more and more if companies are only relying on their old school intranet portal and, you know, a newsletter, they can see what the the open rate is. And those open rates are sometimes in the single digits. It's shocking. Mm, Um, You know, so so we need to be using different methodologies um, to reach different audiences. So by all means, President Trump has definitely embraced social media and especially Twitter to communicate with the masses and and to get a lot of information out there. But I think there's also a lesson in that for all of us, which is that we need to choose the right um, communication tool or methodology, depending on what our message is and depending on who we're trying to reach. I'm I'm strong over on the fact that I think that that there's lessons to be learned out of the whole political sphere. I, I honestly think that that woke up quite a lot of politicians around the world actually uh the the use of social media during that last presidential campaign and i think actually we saw that in the uk later on go on in what do we what do we think to the idea of um social media and these sorts of channels as the sort of edited leader so you know proper old Mm. school you'd be you'd be up there in front of all your colleagues um doing it live and you know people still it live but what it what it does offer and I think Trump's done a particularly good job of jumping ahead of the media and controlling the story 
through the use of Twitter, but it also it offers the ability to pre-edit your you know test out what you're going to say and sort of pre-edit it before it hits the mass public. Mm. What do we think about that? Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm sure there's there's plenty of examples of leaders that are not editing when they are using Twitter and Elon Musk. <laughs> Yeah, there's, a, there's another great example. <laughs> yeah, Elon, Elon Musk uh, springs to mind there. And uh, I think there's a great responsibility. You know, social whether you use the social media channel, which is a great, of course, uh, amazing tool for communication and getting your message out, leaders have to still think before they type. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I think we should also just, sorry, Andy, just be mindful of, you know, Ian um, used the word editing now. And I think it, you, you know, it invokes a lot of positive and negative thoughts around the, the editing side. But I think from a leadership perspective, what we need to understand, and again, if we, if we look at President Trump, um, there's a lot of great responsibility that comes with our title as a leader. And yeah. from an editing perspective, I think it is very, very important that we are strategic about um, the consistency of the messaging. You know, yeah. we talk about that from a change management perspective. Um, you know, what is the message that we want to get across and that we need to be consistent about that? And where things fall apart, and again, we see that with President Trump, is that um, you don't have consistency of messaging. Because yep. you have a president saying one thing, and then you have medical experts saying something else. And then you have a president getting on the news and saying, it's, you know, this is fake and this isn't real. And or then turning around and saying, I never said that. So it's great that you're going to try and get ahead of the media and control the messaging yourself. But then I think you need to be very clear on what that messaging is um, yeah. and then send out a consistent message. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just going to come back from the political sphere from a bit. I just want to focus back on uh, Elon Musk, right? So I, I follow Elon Musk on Twitter, um, and I really, I really respect and appreciate you know what he's doing with things like Tesla and, and SpaceX. I think it's absolutely amazing. I really do. Mm -hmm. um, but what I was going to say was actually that there was there was one of his tweets two weeks ago where he actually successfully wrote off seven billion pounds yeah, of his stock price. Yeah, you, you saw that on my LinkedIn, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. yeah. I think we we discussed it online. Um, and, you know, that that is the modern day. So I'm going to talk about Gerald Ratner. Um, and Gerald oh, Ratner. bless. Yeah. <laughs> so he stood up at this uh, I think it was Institute of Directors, wasn't he? Well, the, the, thing, yes. the thing is, I, I've, I've got a, a bit of a, a stern view on this because it was sort of Chatham House rules. It used to be really it was that was the real showing of the power of the media. I mean, yeah. he, he said some stupid things, but it was behind closed doors. And it, it was actually a section of the speech, which was it had it'd almost become traditional that he would say something negative it, it behind those closed doors. So I think it was, for for it was, me, what I saw from from that, you know, from that clip specifically is my heart broke for him. And I mean, this is a very old story and, and folks can go and Google this, but I got the impression I got the impression that he had gotten really bad advice and and actually i i did some research about this and he spoke about how he'd spoken to his whole exco around the fact that he'd been invited to speak at this institute of directors thing and there was going to be 600 people and the media and and mm -hmm. and um he kind of asked for feedback on his speech 
And no one, A, no one really gave feedback. And B, I think it was his CFO who, who gave him this advice. And I think he was trying to be self-deprecating. Exactly. And when, yeah. you, when you watch his speech in its entirety, it was meant as a joke and it was meant to be mm. self-deprecating. And it was almost meant to also be a little bit, a little bit braggy, kind of like we've made a lot of money off of selling things that aren't that expensive. So, so kind of just also reminding people that you can make millions of pounds, you know, um, you, targeting a different market segment. And I think it was taken completely out of context. And I think he relied on bad advice from, from people okay. that he trusted. So yeah. I, I'm just going to come back to this bit where I started that uh, for me, when I, again, think about leaders I've worked with, leaders in the public eye, that it's the, the first and foremost thing that you judge people on and and or has an impact on you is is their communication. So I think it's critical. And I also think that for leaders and aspiring leaders right now in all different levels of the organisation, that again, one of the, the bits that can make them stand out, one of the aspects straight away is their communication. And whether it's right, wrong or indifferent, whether it's taken out of context, um, that actually that's part of their ownership of that communication yeah so uh, for, so for me you know the, the the important parts about the communication is that first of all the effect on morale and and also both then the, the productivity and and effectively then the financial results that then comes from that as well and, yeah. I, and I think that you can see if you look at good bad and indifferent uh, pieces of communication I think that you, you can probably apply those three measures against most of them mm. what do you reckon here Tam? Yeah, I think in the in the case that you posted about, I mean, it sounded like, he, you know, I, I realised that his jokes were, you know, sort of um, tongue in cheek and, and what have you. But it sounded as if he didn't believe from what it could be interpreted that he didn't believe in the product, he didn't believe in the values of the product. But that's what it said to me when I watched it. I remember watching it at the time and I was a youngster when I watched it. And that's exactly what the first thing that jumped out at me. Mm. Because at the time it was a it was a household name. It was on the high street, right? Mm. And uh, so I couldn't get my head around it that this guy, this you know, this CEO of this big big company that I knew about, that I walked past one of the shops every day, would come out and say this. And literally within space of a few months, it was gone from the high street. Yeah, yeah. So you have a responsibility. Don't be stupid. You know, if yeah. you're in a leadership position, uh, again, it comes back to that. Think before you think before you speak. Think before you type. That's that's what it means to communicate as a leader, because your words and your uh, behavior, your actions, are being watched, are being observed, and they have an impact. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So that kind of brings us on to the next bit that I was going to actually talk about here, Ten. So you might want to continue on that theme if you want, because my next really question is about what does good communication look like? Well, you know. Um, I think there's a piece even before you type and even before you write or even before you speak, and that is to listen. Yeah. You know, my, my mom always said that, you know, we've got two ears and one mouth, right? Yes. Um, for a reason. Yeah, for a reason. Absolutely. And, and, and there's a great quote. You know, you know I, love my, I love my quotes. And... There's a great quote by Francis Bacon. He said, ah. a prudent question is one half of wisdom. A prudent question is one half of wisdom. 
I love it. So, so I think that when we're talking about what does good communication look like, and for leaders to communicate well, they really need to understand their audience. They really need to understand the climate of the team, the culture of the organization, what's going on, what's the pulse, what are people feeling? What's yeah. going on in people's minds? Because too many leaders just carry on communicating. You know, they carry on sort of blah, 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 blah. But there's no connection. It doesn't connect. But when you have the emotional intelligence to really connect with your audience, connect with your people, understand them. And that comes through, that one of the methods is questioning. Yeah. And it's about that questioning. Absolutely. Yeah. Getting good at questioning, getting good at listening. Yeah. Yeah, and there's also, there's so much great technology out there, you know, these days that actually enables companies to listen to their employees and I think that's also where a lot of companies make a very big mistake they do an annual employee and good um, engagement survey or an annual culture survey which just is not enough you know yes hey. um, yes so there's there's some great tools <laughs> to you know employee listening tools as it were and I'm not talking about bugging your office I mean you know <laughs> providing providing a means for employees to ask questions, to give the company feedback in a non-threatening way. And there's so much great technology out there that enables leaders to do that. And you would think, you would think, wouldn't you, that that especially that in in the workplace. So, you know, when we talk about social media and we're we're potentially going digital, so we're going global. So we can't absolutely know our audience in any means in that in yeah. that situation. But when you're dealing with the workplace, you actually have got, or you should have some emotional intelligence to understand. You know, the yeah. first point is the communication should be the perspective of the listener. And you want to, you know, what is the what is the thing you want to leave them instilled with, and the types of action that that would generate, right? That's that's part of the purpose of the communication, as well as being really clear. So, so you would have thought that uh, that listening piece and that importance around that listening piece and getting the pulse, as Deborah rightly said, uh, would be a great tool because it, it's it's the vital. It's the as Tahitan's point, it's the first step in getting good, clear resonant communication is actually listening so i'm just going to say that uh, i love working with you three every every day every week oh. i get to week with you okay because every time i actually get words taken out of my mouth because we're so on the same page which i can't <laughs> I find freaky right in <laughs> in the, the you know deborah's beat me to the bit about the annual appraisal isn't enough i love, I love that uh, great one line and the fact that hitton's already talked about francis bacon that's part of my references for so thank you Hitton. we'll get to that in a minute um you, you know it's it's just the same thing and, and again let me let me just go on to this timeliness of communications and i think that me and ian have already talked about this that you, you can you can tailor and really refine and really research whatever it is that you're going to do but if your timing is off oh. uh, you, you've lost it right doesn't matter what your message is good better and different okay and that so so yeah so you know the idea of uh dishing out some sort of email gram at uh, five to five on a friday night and then turning your computer off yeah um, that's not the right thing to do everybody right mm. <laughs> uh, and, <What>? and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and the next thing that i was just about to add to the discussion 
is that the reason why you've got to pick your time is because mm. for a lot of the audience, it will be about the time for reflection and yeah. then the questions. Yeah. Mm. And, and, and I think what, and I've, I've, I've certainly been guilty of this myself, is that, you know, when you are an entrepreneur, a leader, you want things done now. You have so much energy and you have so many ideas and you have, you know, so many things that you just want done from the team. And sometimes you think, let me just let me just get it out there. Let me just communicate that out there, get that out there and put that. But when you communicate in a haphazard way, it really does disengage people. Yeah. You've got to sort of hold back. You really have to, I think, rein in and think strategically um, about what you're going to say, when, when you are going to actually drop your fantastic idea on the team, you know? Yeah. And it, um, just just a really practical thing on that. I totally agree, Hitan. Just a, a really practical piece on that is is it's got to be simple and accessible, right? It's mm-hmm. it's you know it's for the audience, and 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 often, uh, certainly I've found anyway, you know when you look at poor communication, it's because it's not had the time to be simplified down. You know, so often an idea is there and you, you want to get the idea out. But if you work on it and you work on it and you work on it, you get to the root of actually this is the thing that we're trying uh, to do. Yeah, this yeah. is the journey. So it, it takes time to get to simple. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that the, the giving the space, though, for people to ask the questions and the challenges is then the, the real art of the communication, yeah. because if you sit there and believe that what you have given out to people is the right answer, mm. is, the, is the right message, right? it's mm. like anything. It, you, you, the only people to judge whether you've given the right message is when they replay it back to you and you yeah. say, no, 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 that's not what I said <laughs> or not what I meant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think there's also, you know, we've kind of touched on this as well. And, and what is good communication? Look, I think that we also need to understand from a communication standpoint and from a personality standpoint, that we need to craft our messages to appeal to different personality types within our audience. And there's really only four main types of communicators or four main archetypes or whatever. And those are, you know, your big picture thinkers, strategic, innovative. They just want the highlights. Then you've got your empathetic, amiable people who, you know, kind of want to know that you care about them and, want a little bit of the fluff and the softness. You get your very outcomes-focused people who just kind of want to know what do I need to do and by when do I need to do it. And then you also get your very conscientious, detail-oriented thinkers who want all the details and the facts and the figures. And what I found is when we're crafting a message, it's actually very important how we do it, especially if it's like a town hall or something. Yeah, yeah. Because an interesting thing that happens is those guys who are, so usually just start with, you know, the big picture stuff and get into the outcomes-based stuff and the the fluff and then get to, lastly, get to the detail. Sure. Because by the time you get to the detail, you've actually lost the big yeah. picture thinkers and yeah. and the outcomes-focused guys, you know, they they've they've dropped off the call or they've left the room if they can so yeah. it's very important how we craft our message and that we make sure that there's something in there that appeals to all four of those types yeah no i get that i get that and uh, when you're doing those town halls then you, you often get a whole raft of other problems as well 
about um, you know people whether they're prepared to stand up, whether they're prepared to ask, or whether actually they're more comfortable about one-on-one conversations. So you get a whole different set of challenges as well, don't you? Yeah, and, definitely. Completely. And again, I'm sure that everybody understands that the concept of you know, whatever message is given, there's plenty of opportunity for that to get distorted along the way between whether it's the information source, whether it's through the transition, through the medium, and when it's received as well, that actually that message, the, that what you start out with by the time it gets to this, the intended destination is not often what it actually started out anything like. It's interesting. Uh, it's interesting because if you take a leaf out the kind of marketing marketing playbook, then you would you know you would have you would have the headline stuff. You would have yeah. the benefits. You would have some storytelling, and then you'd have some detailed kind of benefit mm. outcome all together and all tied together. You know, so yes. that so that regardless of whether it, it you know bits of it get moved off there's there's still something to kind of pull it back pull it back to the mainstream yeah. to say these are the guiding principles and this is the this is the key um you know communication pieces that we want you to be left with and understand and act upon yeah. and yeah. you know yeah. i think so we you know we talk about the frequency of communication often it's about using those types of tools to just just make sure there's little nudges and adjustments to make sure that um, the message was received correctly or or, or it, it's it's going in the direction that you wanted yeah no that's that's completely fair so again then if we just uh, look at the next bit and i think that we touched on this a little bit already uh, about is there such a thing as too much communication or too often i think there is if it's if if it's if it's not consistent <laughs> i think when yeah. you you know people often often talk about the frequency being wrong when it, it's not clear it's not consistent um you know the cadence is rapidly changing without without context i think yes that's, that's when it's that's when it's bad yeah yeah well, it's it's communicating just for the sake of you know and people feel like you're wasting their time um or you're just talking nonsense, you know, you're rattling on for two hours um, because you like the sound of your own voice when, quite frankly, you could have given the highlights and <laughs> it could have all been over in yeah. 10 minutes, you know. Um, yeah. So, yes, there is. I think it's it's about choosing the cadence and about being consistent and about being very clear on what the message is and what you're trying to get across. So for, for junior leaders, then, let's call junior leaders rather than aspirant leaders or anything else like that. Um, when they're trying to decide how much to communicate and when and to whom, what, what's the advice that you want to give that maybe you deal with clients on already? Well, for me, um, and I mean, I work with, with junior aspiring leaders all the time. They're my, my preferred group um, to, to work with from a coaching and a leadership development perspective. Sure. What I usually say is, you know, depending on how strategic the communication is, um, is, is going to, for me, inform how often you're going to communicate. So generally, and especially millennials and Gen Z, they want much more regular communication and they want mm. two-way communication. Older generations don't really care about that too much, but people need that human contact. So there needs to be daily, how can I help you? Are you okay? What obstacles can I remove for you? There's yeah. got to be that almost that team huddle or that stand up or something with their direct manager. Um, there's definitely got to be a weekly, more kind of a human check in. 
Um, yep. And I loved something that you posted a while back, Andy, where you said, you know, check-ins shouldn't be confused with check-ups. Yeah. You know, mm. a check-in is not to talk to me about my performance or the crappy presentation that I gave last week that you feel <laughs> I could have done better, you know. And the check-in is not a check-up. Um, yeah. And I think that's very important to just have a human human-to-human check-in moment. Um, And then I think monthly, definitely like a a team, you know, where are we going? How have we done? What's coming up next? Kind of a planning and a look back and a look ahead, you know, a bit of a strategic feel. And and then also do that, you know, quarterly and annually as well, you know, kind of zoom out a little bit, um, depending on what you're communicating. Deborah, that's amazing, right? And I just want to reflect on that for a minute and just say that uh, there's an amazing quote by Dave Ulrich, and I'm going to get this wrong, right? But I'll post it in the uh, in the episode notes for everybody. And it's from his book, Victory Through Organization. And what he actually said was that um, uh, feedback is uh, a leader's primary responsibility, not a side responsibility. And I'm paraphrasing that. But basically, that to me just took the whole level of check-ins and leadership communication to a next level, is that as a leader, your primary role is to give people the feedback. And, Completely. And yeah, that, great. That, ju- that just literally changes, my, uh, yeah, my, probably my approach to, to, to leadership yeah. you know, when, you, when you think about it. That's also very much aligned with, um, with the whole radical candor approach by Kim Scott, which right. is, you know, about caring deeply and really having that empathy um, but also then give, you know, challenging directly and giving that feedback because as a leader, especially you're not doing me any favors if you're not giving me constructive feedback and telling me I could have done better on that presentation yeah. or I've got spinach stuck in my teeth or whatever it is, you know, <laughs> um, and you're also not doing me any favors or morale any favors if you are a complete jerk, you know, like Dr. Cameron Sepper calls them competent assholes you know um yeah. <laughs> people who are great at the technical aspect of their job but yeah. they're really bad at everything else mm. and th- they do more harm than good in the end you know so we've got to find that balance and it is very true that your primary role for me as a leader of people it's always been to remove obstacles and to empower them to be their best self mm, and the sure. only way that i can really empower them is to create that environment where they can speak to me as freely as I can speak to them um, and to have that trust to to give that Mm. feedback because that's how we learn and grow. And and, And, and that's, it's a key, sorry, Hitam. I was going to say, Deborah, just in terms of, you know, you talk about removing obstacles and um, empowering people. I think, as, as you say, it's just as important for the new type of leader to be able to receive feedback. You know, traditionally, nice. Nice. traditionally, there's always been this fear of the boss. You know, uh, you know, you can't say and that hierarchy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think now, with 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 the new new way in which the world, is, our new normal, the way in which the world is moving, again, coming back to that emotional intelligent leader, the leader that's self-aware, the leader that can take feedback, that creates that trusting environment where. The employee doesn't feel scared that he's going to lose his job or he's going to be demoted or you know something bad is going to happen. There's that trust and comfort, and yeah. I think that's amazing for, for 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 the business as a whole. Yeah, 
great well, it, it develops people doesn't it i mean every, yeah. everyone in that chain hitan is is a is a fundamental contributor to and receiver of development right continually yeah. Yeah. that's that's the way to you know power the organization forward mm. uh, you know for you know we, we've talked so far about things like communication and um clarity and perspective i mean it, it's <laughs> we're going to be dealing with more and more ambiguity so so that ability mm. to have that transparent Absolutely. conversation to be able to yeah. listen and, and to develop is so vital yeah definitely well let's go on to the next bit which is uh, hopefully hopefully some great examples of communication that you've worked with and uh, you know between us i guess that we've probably got i don't know near as damn it 100 years worth of experience at work so i'm hoping out of oh my god we're ancient Sandy. Yeah. I know, yeah. sorry, sorry if you've only just most, realized that most of it's andy and me <laughs> um yeah yeah I, I reckon that between us we must have uh, a couple of really good examples um, and, and I, I offer that from from anywhere in, in, your, in your personal life, work life, anything that actually people can learn from. Yeah. Hiten, I'm, I'm I'm hoping that you're going to come out with with something here that blows. Yeah, I've, I've got I've got an immense one to be honest. With tell you. me, tell uh, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, there's a the the thing is about leadership is people won't believe what you say; they will believe what you do. Mm. So actions speak louder than words. And that ultimately, the greatest example of good communication is when you embody what you believe and what you say. You know, leaders should be, do, say. Be, which means embody. Do, which means act and say. And, you know, there's, there's lots of different examples. I mean, I came across um, a CEO of a, a Kyle Sladger um, and a, a company called Raken. And in his company, he basically finds out what his employees' personal goals are. So yeah. not, just, not just professional development, but the company then, he actively seeks to understand what are your personal goals, what are your interests outside of work. And then the company supports, actively supports each employee to yeah. achieve their personal goals. I mean, that is really saying, you know, we really want you to be engaged and happy at work. And we realize that you have a life outside of work yeah and yeah i mean in terms of in terms of um believing what you say and, and actually acting in that way i i think the example of nelson mandela you know uh nelson mandela he communicates and communicated that idea of peace yeah. moving away from hatred moving away from grudges and there's a great story i'll just share the story right um very powerful how he acts because there's a story that as he's you know i think he was in i think he was in prison for about 37 years and on his last day of prison and he's walking away out of the prison cell um and he looks back at his prison cell and he's walking towards the gate towards freedom and somebody asked him later on in an interview what did you feel as you were walking towards freedom yeah and nelson mandela says he says that I felt that I'm leaving all my bitterness and all my grudges inside the prison cell. Wow. And I didn't want to take it with me because if I took my, uh, those grudges and that hatred with me, I would still be in prison. And that's a powerful message, right? That's yeah. a powerful message of, right, we're moving towards 
peace. We're moving towards reconciliation. Yeah, yeah. He embodied that. So again, I think actions speak louder than words. When you act, that is the most powerful form of communication. Amazing. It's just like parenting. It's just like parenting. When you tell your kid to do something, right, you know, they're they're not really going to listen. They're going to watch what you do. Yeah. You can't yeah. you can't be a boss that says, okay, well, um, I expect everybody to work till late, but then you leave promptly at five o'clock to go and play golf. Yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. Love it, Hitten. Love it. Great. Uh bring Nelson Mandela into it as well. It's amazing. Yeah, you know I like to uh it's oh, great. Go philosophical as well, right? <laughs> no, it's yeah, it's fantastic. I, I feel there's a, probably a book there that I haven't read if you with that kind of information in it. Um, yeah, so I, I, it's it's in Lamb Long Walk to Freedom. Thank you. There you go. That's it. That's it. That's the one. Well, I, I was going to actually just uh, I, I, I'm not going to compete with that hit end, but I'm just going to mention about it. Some time <laughs> some years ago, I was working with a company, and um, I was sat speaking to the CEO, and it's just building on this whole actions point, right? Which does actually come back to the communication, and he was he was fighting about really poor customer service throughout the entire organization. And he'd done all of the thing of, you know, stand up in front of town halls, send out emails, um, put posters on the wall. He'd done everything, right, in order to communicate people about how to, we, we need to improve, improve our customer service. And he was telling me that the biggest impact that, it, that he actually had wasn't through any of those what you call traditional communication channels. It was because of the act of him going and spending an hour a day sitting on the customer support phone lines. Yeah. Right. And speaking to the customers, listening to the customers, understanding that the challenges of both the customer and the support person at the end and realizing that actually he needed to make improvements within the support structure itself uh, that then actually led back to effectively where the sales were made. And uh, he, he, he told me this. It was amazing. And and I think, you know, if I think about when this was done, it was probably years before that other people had, you know, done the, uh, you know, taking the boss back to the floor type of program. Yeah. And, and it was amazing. It was amazing listening to a guy that, uh, you know, had, I don't know, probably about a thousand people uh, in the organization and he was sat on a phone line wow. for an hour a day. Wow. Uh, and that, and, and, and then when he went and communicated and when he went and spoke then the the impact then was yeah, tenfold totally different. yeah completely no i can imagine it just it just goes back to that that point doesn't it be yeah. you know believe in what you say and, and 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 show it through your actions you know because that's 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 just going to be so so much more powerful yeah 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 always always i know there's loads of different uh different examples of great communications different case studies every uh, probably every month every day you'll find something online about it um but but for me and, and my advice to it to anybody is i think something i mentioned in one of the previous podcasts is is go and learn from uh, people's mistakes right go and see what people have done that you don't then want to go and repeat mm. and uh, you you go and figure out in your context at your time what is actually going to be right for you uh, mm. And I think that that's the better way. Again, read all the case studies that you want because it'll give you ideas. There is no one silver on that. Debbie, Ian, anything to add on that one? Uh, no, I was, I, I was just going to, you know, highlight the importance of, I, I suppose visibility is really important as well. You know, we've, we've talked yeah. about the communication piece. I've seen some fantastic orators in my time. Yeah, yeah. And then, and they've, do, they've done this amazing job 
on the the physical presence and the enthusiasm behind the words and the cadence. And when you actually broke down the words afterwards, they weren't actually they weren't yeah. actually that meaningful. Yeah. The delivery. I'm not citing that as a good thing. What I'm really saying is, yeah. you know, we we are non-verbal in our communication as well, and so yeah. you know, obviously we can't be necessarily physically present at the moment but mm. video conferencing technology does give us the ability to you know people are incredibly good at closing their eyes and listening because you know finding whether something is authentic and true you can often tell that by listening to the voice yeah. but yeah. viewing people's mm. eyes and their body language and their comfort yeah. levels and the speed at which they're moving or staying still it's also it's just it's such a fantastically powerful thing yeah. that we should all try and do more of so one of the greatest, uh, thing, what just flashed through my head then, Ian, was um, a few years ago, uh, Joanna Lumley was supporting the, the Gurkha uh, soldiers oh, to gain brilliant. access yeah, to uh, pensions yeah, and all sorts of stuff, wasn't she? Yeah, Do you remember the interview with the, uh, with the minister? And he was sat shuffling. The man was so uncomfortable. <laughs> and basically, Joanna, in a most lovely, perfectly English way, actually managed to nail this guy to the, yep. to the floor and say, are you going to do this for these people? Yes or no? <laughs> and the She's guy, brilliant. oh, my, the, the, the guy had no escape. And uh, it, when you talk about the body language and everything else, that guy was done. By the time she finished asking the question, <laughs> he, he was we'll, done. <laughs> we might have to edit. Andy, we might have yeah. to edit edit this next bit, but I can't help myself but reflect on the moment where there was the Trump's health advisor. The lady was sat down, and Trump's looking across at her and saying, "You know, and I and I, I believe that you know people could inject, uh, you know, like bleach." Yes, like like, and like her a feet from oh. the inside. Oh, the lady, she looked so, do you know what I thought? I thought, how, and this is unfair, I know, because the public, you know, the world was watching, but how could you live with yourself by not saying that's not correct? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think that's a moment that everybody, uh, everybody can reflect on at some point in the career that I wish I'd said the words I disagree. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's easier to say that after the oh, event. Of course, of course. Uh, and yeah. uh, I'm sure that that lady... Uh, without wishing any um, slanderous li liability or anything else, uh, had a bad day. So um, you know, she did. Yeah, <laughs> she did. Yeah, she did. But but hey, listen. One of the one of the sections I really look forward to in these podcasts is that you know when we we've had some amazing discussions, and I know that between the four of us, we one of the things that's really common is that we read continually, whether that's books, whether that's online, whether that's magazines you consume between the four of us tons of information every single week. And I love opening this up and saying, you know, what are the resources? What is it that actually you're now going to say to people? These are the things that you can go and read and learn a bit more from here. Ian, I'm going to start with you because you're going to start off with a, a cracking answer to this. Uh, well, I, I was going to mix it up, actually. I do truly believe that if you are a communicator then you're ultimately you're wanting to um you're, you there is a there is a portion of persuasion there's a and, and what i mean by that is you know getting you know working with people and getting to a position and a direction of travel so i've always been um there's a great book um i read it a few years ago stop bitching and start pitching and i've got it as an audio book and when i'm on a plane and i've been on a plane very recently but i probably listened to that three times and and the bit that I, I really, really love about that is um, it's to your point earlier on, Hitan, it's about it's about the listening part and it's about the 
the deep searching questions and the research to mm. then then position the communication in this case it was pitching to organizations but essentially um giving them insight they wouldn't have otherwise had really truly understanding the audience so i think there's a, there's a, this fantastic material in that book and the other one um it's one of andy and my favorites is daniel pink right and drive yeah and right. and i think it's i think it's really relevant around um the purpose piece that's the bit that really resonated with me is when you think about Mm. motivation of people what mm. you think motivates them what actually motivates them I, I love that idea of um communicating a purpose in 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 some way so it becomes like gr gravitation and i've used this term before is is like it's an all-pervasive force but it's actually really weak but you can see it in action continually yeah. and yeah. i think if you get really great consistent communication around purpose you get that gravitational force inside a business mm. whether they're physically present or dispersed wow. completely remote so mm. if you get a chance read that it's a great book super super wow. right deborah what have you got um i love what ian said now about purpose i was actually i was actually reading something recently that um a study that ibm had done saying that something like 72 percent of their employees had no clue um what the company's strategic direction or purpose or any of that was and that wow. sounds ridiculously high, but I actually think it's probably like that in any organization. You know, yeah. so when we talk about purpose, um, it's making sure that employees understand. And, and especially for younger generations, again, this is something that we see. In, and I, I feel that we give millennials too much flack most of the time. Um, but, but we see it with millennials around, you know, purpose and that, that mm -hmm. it's so important for them to have a purpose and yeah. to understand what contribution they're making you know, in their job and to the world and, and what the company is doing. So, so yes, Daniel Pink is great. For me, from a more practical communication perspective, um, there's, there's two books that really stand out for me. One is a book that I read, oh my gosh, I initially read it around 2008, I think. Um, a revised edition came out and this book just blew me away. Yeah. And it is called Crucial Conversations. Tools for Talking When Stakes Are High. Sounds and great. it is written by Kerry yeah. Patterson and Joseph Grenny and a couple of other folks. And it's just really, really giving people very practical tools in terms of sometimes having difficult conversations, especially at work. Yeah. Um, another great book, and I, I have referenced it today, is Radical Candor by Kim Scott. Absolutely yeah. love it. I love the approach. Um, and, you know, you can actually find people who've been certified to to conduct workshops and things in, in the methodology. And then there's another interesting resource. Wow. You know, we were talking earlier on about body language and something that fascinates me is, I don't know if any of you can remember, there was a television show a, a good few years back called Lie to Me. It only had about one. two seasons, I think, but the show called Lie to Me, and I, I think it was loosely based on on true events on someone's life's work yep. and, and research around micro facial expressions. Oh, I remember it. Yes. And just zooming in and saying across cultures, across languages, they are micro expressions, you know, of contempt, of disrespect, <laughs> of unhappiness, wow. um, indicators of dishonesty. So if you can find that TV show, perhaps 
on Amazon or somewhere, you know, or you can find it on DVD. I know that there's probably a whole generation of listeners who don't even know what a DVD mm. is. Um, I'm sure we'll find it somewhere. But if you, can, if you can find it, it is fantastic. And you can learn so much just from reading up and learning about micro expressions. Cool. Thank you very much. Hey, Ten. Yeah, well, I'm going to go with some classics. I'm sure you guys have read these. And um, if some of our listeners haven't, I definitely recommend to read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective oh, People. Yeah. Now, that's a, that's a classic. And there's, there's something that, you know, fundamentally relates to everything that we've been talking about today around communication, which is one of his rules. I can't remember which one it is, but it's seek first to understand, then yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, going back to basics, so, so, so definitely read, reread that book. Um, and if you haven't read it, you know, yeah, great advice. Reading this. Uh, another great book, um, you know, speaking about how, you know, leadership need the new leaders, we need to be more emotionally intelligent and somebody that's done most of the groundbreaking work around leadership and emotional intelligence is Daniel Goldman. He's got a great book. Um, it's called The New Leaders, Transforming the Art of Leadership into the Science of Results. Daniel Goleman. Wow. Okay. And it's very interesting because he speaks about these six um, different leadership, emotionally intelligent leadership styles as a visionary, mm. coaching, the democratic, pace setting, commanding, different types of leaders. But, but basically, the emotional leader is able to really not be just one thing and be able to adapt and change and be flexible depending on the situation, on how they adapt their leadership style and the way in which they, yep. they communicate for different different situations. And then, and then generally, I'd just like to make a recommendation about improving communication. Yeah. And coming back to that point I said about entrepreneurs and leaders having bursting with ideas and getting it and, and wanting to get it out there and, and, and expect their team to, to, to act on it. And I think something very important to do is to practice stillness is to okay. thinking time yeah. whether that means a walk whether that means silence whether that means whatever it means for you meditation you know something that i practice mindfulness there's there's many things but some time to be still and quiet makes you better when you open your mouth nice love it yeah it's good yeah very powerful. Very powerful. Well, these are amazing recommendations and uh, people need to get reading after this. So um, I'm going to offer up uh, two books and I was considering various different other podcasts, but I thought that might be uh, publicising the competition. So I didn't. Um, so, so I've got a couple of books and I think like last week, I'm going to offer one, uh, what I'll call the textbook and uh, one called um, a more reflective biography, uh, self autobiography by Laszlo. Um, so the first one is Theories of Communication. And uh, th this book, it, it is, it's a, it's a bit of a textbook. It, it's got all sorts of stuff in, including uh, Francis Bacon, the term mm. that you talked of earlier, Hiten. Mm. So we're, again, we're on the same page as that one. It's got some amazing stuff in it. And uh, I was doing a, a course about 18 months ago, and I use this as part of my, my, my course material for that. And I think it's just a great uh, reference point. Right. So if you are actually studying, if you are actually wanting to get a bit more understanding of some models and everything, then uh, please have a look at that book. It's a great one. That's Theories of Communication. Um, and another one that I read and and again, uh, I it's by Laszlo Block. It's called Work Rules. And I just find it great. Mm. 
uh, and I, it's probably an old book now when you, when you consider it when it when it was written so it's a few years old but every time I read it and I've read it about three times probably like Ian sat on a plane somewhere uh, there's always something new in it and what you read what you get out of it is a guy who's absolutely a, you know a senior leader in a global organization um, desperately trying to make uh, an impact on it and and actually comes up with his I think is his eight rules at the end of it that that again it, to me, what he talks about, sorry, beg your pardon, it's 10 rules at the end of it. When you look at it, the, there's a the, the strand running through all of them is about the communication aspects of it. And he talks about how he did that and how that actually happened at Google. So, uh, yeah, I, I always think there's some great stuff to learn from those big tech giants. And uh, the, I definitely as normal uh, there is from Google. So there you go. And uh, for everybody, we're going to post all of the links to all of those uh, rich reference points that everybody's discussed um the, you know the, this simon covey's book i think it was hit him wasn't it the seven habits of yeah. highly effective people yeah uh, brilliant absolutely brilliant um and and daniel pink's book drive ah oh, man super job kim I'm, uh, the the one from uh, deborah i'm looking forward to seeing is is the kim reference uh, one i've not seen that one uh, deborah so that's of definite interest i look forward to that so um we're about out of time, um, which uh, again, it's flown flown past again for me, as it always does on these things. So uh, thanks to everybody for contributing again to Hiten, Deborah and Ian. Uh, before we go, um, just as always, we'll tell you what we're going to do next time, uh, just so everybody can go and think about this one. So next time um, we're going to discuss about the customer, about leading with the customer in mind and uh, seeing where we get to with that one. I've already given a couple of communication examples about the customers uh, th this week so I'm gonna have to think a bit harder for next week but yeah let's talk about the customers because again ultimately as a leader that's what actually you're probably trying to uh, to aim your communications and uh, your efforts at is everybody okay with that one wonderful great. Sounds excited great. yeah so that should be the bit that gets everybody out of bed quite frankly um but hey listen um thank you very much everybody uh we're going to sign off and uh, say thanks for joining leadership the future and tea we look forward to speaking to you next week. Bye, everybody. Uh, thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. That's all, folks. Please subscribe through Google Podcast to keep up to date with our future episodes. Bye for now.